You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello there and welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone Montreal right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Uh, you know, the Press Zone is a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, and uh, we're so proud to be uh, a part of that group. And we are very happy that you are here with us today. We've got a tremendous show for you uh, in store that uh, you don't want to miss. Uh, I am your host and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson, and I'm joined each and every week by my tremendous co-host. He's our founder and editor-in-chief for all of our Rocket Sports Media publications, and that is Rick Stevens. Hello. Good afternoon. It's um, Stanley Cup final week. It is. It's pretty exciting. exciting. Uh, It's, uh, I think, I think Hab's Twitter might break Twitter this week. Mm -hmm. I think. That could be. It's possible. They might break the All Habs Facebook page <laughs> with this podcast. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> it's been a, a busy place for sure. Um, but yeah. had The All Habs Facebook page named a uh, source by Facebook, a news source, uh, this past week. So um, that's, that's a, a long time coming. Yeah, for sure. That's tremendous news uh, to be recognized by Facebook as an official news source. Facebook.com slash All Habs if you want to go there. You should. You should like it. You should follow them. Interact. Lots of uh, fan interaction on the All Habs Facebook page. Um, and, and after game one, uh, there was lots of discussion. <laughs> I bet there was. Mm-hmm. I bet it wasn't all... Um, well, it was mostly about the, the, the physical nature of uh, the, and some of the outcomes of the game. Well, I hadn't noticed that. Mm-hmm. Hadn't noticed that at all. It seemed like such a tame... 60 minutes of hockey. No, there was the, you know, the the Edmondson punch and the... Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, those kinds of things. Yeah, that's pretty fun. We're going to talk about that in, uh, in just a moment. But uh, there's another thing that uh, plenty of uh, Habs fans and, and uh, sports fans in Quebec are, are getting excited about, and that is uh, certainly that the fact that uh, McGregor versus Poirier is uh, number three is all set for UFC 264. Uh, every punch, kick, and knockout means uh, so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. Uh, DraftKings is the official daily, daily fantasy partner of UFC, and they're giving you a shot at huge cast prizes. And uh, for the weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. 
If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. You just pick six fighters, you stay under the salary cap, and pile up the points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's the McGregor versus Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app. Use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And remember, that promo code is THPN. It stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. I know that uh, there's plenty of Hab fans and and Quebec sports fans who will be tuning in for that one. Mm-hmm. So uh, put a little uh, put a little cash on the line while you're at it. Uh, use the promo code. Take advantage of it. That's uh, that's what it's there for. Um, I know even uh, for the Stanley Cup final first game last night, I was went ahead onto my uh, DraftKings Daily Fantasy account and had a had a couple of had a couple of uh, contests that I was wagering on and and some fantasy uh, draft lineups. How'd you do? Um, okay. You'll let me know next week. Yeah. Okay. Not tremendous. But I didn't bet a whole lot, so. All right. Still working with free money. I'm still working with oh, free money. Oh, that's right. I am still. It's, it's been months. I am still working with the free money from when I first used promo code THPN to sign up for DraftKings Daily Fantasy and either kept winning or they kept gifting me more free money. Mm-hmm. I'm still working off of that pool of money. I have not made another deposit to my account since since this all started. Well, that's impressive. It is. But it just goes to show, like, you can play and have fun and barely spend anything if that's what you would prefer. You can also spend a boatload of money. There were, <laughs> there were. I'm flipping through the contest last night trying to figure out which one. And there was some that were like, oh, well, the entry fee for one entry into this daily fantasy game one lineup is $2,000. And I said, no, we're just going to keep scrolling past that one because Amy is not made of that kind of dough. Well, for all of the Canadians fans who decided not to get a ticket uh, for the Bell Center, uh, they have saved thousands of dollars, so they have that kind of entry for you to lay down. That's true. Mm -hmm. What better way to spend it? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we're we're talking about the Stanley Cup final, and that is going to be the to- the hot topic uh, to kick off today's show. In the first segment, of course, we're going to cover the Montreal Canadiens and the Laval Rocket. We're going to re- break down that first game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, what worked? What didn't? What's got to change? What surprised us? What do we want to complain about? You know. All right. The the, the typical. Yep. Right there with all of you. Uh, Then we have some news. Uh, There's a couple of new contracts that got signed by either the Canadians or the Laval Rocket. Uh, Bring you up to speed on that as well as um, a contract extension for someone who is not a player. Uh, And some other contracts that have giant question marks on them that the rumor mill is circulating on, which... uh, (laughs) 
uh, at least one of them is, uh, if if the rumors end up being true, could certainly send uh, some folks into a bit of a tailspin. So we'll have some more on that in a moment. And then in the second segment, uh, we go around the AHL. Lots of news to cover for you there today. We've got uh, head coaching news uh, for the American League. We've got uh, a head coach who's received a contract extension, another head coach who is leaving the AHL and taking up a spot behind the bench in an NHL club. Uh, so we'll talk a bit about that. We've got uh, a new GM for an AHL franchise that we want to introduce you to. Um, one of our colleagues and friends uh, if, with the Hershey Bears organization was recognized for his tremendous work. Want to give a tip of the hat to him on that segment. And also the Seattle Kraken have announced uh, until they get their arena up and running and their AHL affiliate uh, debuts in the 2022-23 season, uh, they still need a place to play for their AHL players uh, this coming season, the 21-22 season. And so they've announced uh, where they will be parking themselves in the AHL for for one season. So we want to talk a bit about that. Some USA Hockey World Juniors news to discuss. And, of course, uh, a pretty unique feel-good finale. So That's a full show. It's a full show. Let's uh, let's get started. How about them Habs? You know, Rick, every single round of the playoffs so far, I am the first to admit that I have... I mean, I, it's not like I'm alone in this. Um, the Habs have been the vast underdogs in every series because of how much they limped into the playoffs. They didn't look strong. Um, they finished 18th overall in the regular season, which means if this were a re- normal season, they wouldn't even ma- they would not have even made the playoffs. Um, and so every series, I'm like, oh no, Toronto. Toronto's gonna wipe the floor with them. Oh no, Winnipeg's going to going to be a challenge. Uh oh no, no Vegas absolutely not. There's no way they're going to beat that. So, I'm at a point where I'm I don't know. I don't even know what to think anymore. I don't know what to predict. Um but I have to say game 1 last night was kind of what I was I, I don't want to say what I was thinking would happen, but what I was afraid might happen. Well, um you mentioned the other series and and certainly uh the, the Vegas Golden Knights were uh, tied for the top spot in terms of points in the regular season in the NHL, and everyone predicted that uh, the Canadians would have great difficulty with them. They went into Game 1, and it was um, a, a pretty straightforward 4-1 uh, to win for uh, the Golden Knights. Um, but I don't know that you can compare it to what happened last night. Um, mm-hmm. It... it, it the game wasn't. Um, it, it should have been even worse than than it was. Uh, a five-one yeah. win for Tampa Bay. Uh, Carey Price was about all that uh, the Canadians had going for them uh, last night, and he Thankfully. was terrific. <laughs> he was absolutely uh, terrific. Had some great saves um, on Steven Stamkos, on uh, Ryan Johnson, on um, it, it went on and on. Um, but uh, it was a pretty, um, I, I think, a very uh, uh, surgical job by John um, Cooper in, in deconstructing uh, the Canadian strengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, he 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 went through each of them and and um, and and 
found a way to to uh, take away what the Canadians had going for them, um, and then exploited uh, known weaknesses, um, and uh, it it and even uh, doing things very differently uh, than the, the Lightning had done in other games, uh, uh, like uh, it's it's. It's almost uh, well. It's very rare to see the the lightning engage their their defense in the offense, uh, and there they were last night. Um, Eric Chernak scoring the first goal, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just six minutes into the game, and and uh, it was a new look for uh, the lightning defense. But um, they they um, they went where where no other team has gone, and that is to the front of the Canadians' net. Cons- well, I was going to say that was the new look for the Habs' defense, right? <laughs> yeah, they were. Um, they they are a punishing uh, defense, but um, uh, the Lightning said, "Go ahead, uh, we're here to stay." And yet, on the other end, uh, the Canadians didn't get anywhere near Andre Vasilevsky, who mm-hmm. I, I thought he, he just. He wasn't looking sharp. He wasn't looking comfortable. He was uh, his puck tracking was off. He 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 lost the puck a couple of times. Uh, he wasn't making you know his the, the puck was going in and out of his glove. It was kind of um, bouncing through the crease. It, the, he it took him uh, half the game to kind of get into the game, and and the Canadians certainly didn't take advantage of that um, with um, all kinds of perimeter shots. So. Um, yeah, I, I thought um, Cooper did a, a, a great job, including uh, sending out um, five forwards with, uh, mm. which is is yes, he's used five forwards on the power play during the regular season, but not in that kind of situation. <laughs> no. uh, late in the game, up four to one, and that was simply to um, send a message to the Montreal Canadiens and to. Um, and the narrative about their uh, th- their streak, their penalty kill streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that's not a factor anymore. Talking about the invincibility of the Montreal Canadiens penalty kill, they they put a dagger in that, and Steven Stamkos got a power play goal. Absolutely, and uh, also sent the message that. Uh no lead is going to be enough. No lead is going to be comfortable. We're gonna, we're, we're not gonna sit back. We're not. We're gonna keep coming. Um, as you mentioned, uh, you know the what Vegas wasn't able to do was penetrate deep into the offensive zone. They were not able to get good net front presence. Um, Tampa had no issue with that at all last night, and you could see how disruptive that was in front of uh, Carey Price for the defense, um, and it was very difficult for them to handle. Um, nothing, practically nothing was getting by them uh, in, the, in the neutral zone, um, and even if the Habs did get a zone entry, Uh, It didn't last for very long uh, whatsoever. Lots of turnovers. Man, let me tell you what. Eric Gustafson, whew, looked exactly like Eric Gustafson has been. Um, I still do not understand the decision to keep him in the lineup, Um, even John Merrill, uh, for the amount of minutes that they don't play. My concern is that they're now, they've been riding, you know, they, we have this big story that we constantly talk about now that it's, you know, it's that, it's that top four defense and we're, we're riding them. And well, how long is that honestly sustainable? The the amount of minutes that those top four defensemen are putting up is a tremendously 
a long amount of time and playing against a team like Tampa that's playing as physically as they came out last night, um, that defense is going to get very tired very quickly. Well, and that's and that's what the Canadians have been counting on is using that the big four to punish other teams and to wear them down. But um, it was, uh, you know, it what what the the Canadians gave they got back. They had fifty eight mm-hmm. hits on on that, which is astonishing. Uh, fifty eight hits in the game, but Tampa Bay had fifty seven. So uh, one hundred and fifteen hits between the two it's games nuts. is is crazy. And and yes, that. That top four uh, defense, uh, you know, they were they were being punished as well. Um, ben Sherrod was a, a minus two. Uh, uh, Edmondson was a minus two. Petrie the same. Um, it it was it was tough, and 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 you get you know um, uh, an Eric Gustafson who plays six six fifty even strength time, and that's the only. Uh, that's the only stat in his stat line other than the number of giveaways that he had. Um, you know, Merrill wasn't much better. Mm-hmm. It, it's, um, it's going to be a, a, a weakness that uh, the, the Lightning look to exploit uh, is, is making it very difficult for those top four defensemen. You know, it would really be something if you had a... a a young, solid defenseman on your back end, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, the name, I mean, the name Romanov comes to mind, but also, um, Mikhail Sergachev. Yeah. Mikhail Sergachev. It's funny. You know, I even remarked this, uh, remarked about this last night during the game, the entire Vegas series, Rick, all we heard about all of the narrative constantly was, Pacioretty and Suzuki. Who won the trade? Oh, what's it going to be like for Suzuki to play in the semifinals against the team that drafted him? What's it going to be like for Pacioretty to play against his former team? I mean, you heard nothing but narratives about it, articles about it, analysts talking about it, commentators talking about it. They were asked questions about it, uh, both players in multiple times in, in their press briefing. How much have you heard about the Jonathan Drouin Mikhail Sergachev trade? Uh, Mikhail Sergachev is is uh, a, a, a bad word uh, the, uh, today because of, uh, of what he did to Brendan Gallagher. But uh, let's not take uh, anything away uh, from Sergachev. He has been an absolute beast in the playoffs and a, and a key player for. Uh, the Lightning, as has Ryan McDonough, mm-hmm. also a, a, a Canadian's uh, draft pick, uh, who is is a shot blocking machine, and and uh, both of them are are key. Uh, in addition to Hedman on the uh, on the blue line for for Tampa Bay, and 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 of course it was it was Mark Bergevin's uh, worst trade, absolutely hands down worst trade, Sergachev for for especially when. Um, you know, he had not signed on, re-signed Andre Markov. Uh, so there was that that hole on the left side, and Sergachev was the player to fill it. And um, then, then the, you know, the, it's it's such a a lopsided trade in favor of the Lightning that it's not even. And Steve Eiserman at that point, it's not even worth going over again. But. No. Um, uh, uh, and Sergachev won a cup last year. And, and, yeah, it's it's uh, it's. It's amazing to see, 
and and uh, and and sad to think about what those two players could have uh, could be doing right now for the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely, and and just you know, it it sticks in my craw a little bit that 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 trade is not getting any attention uh, right now because I guarantee it's because everyone is in protect Jonathan Duran mode because he's not with the team for unknown reasons, getting help for unknown reasons. And so no one wants to make the comparison about Sergachev succeeding. Where's Jonathan Duran? Um, I just, from a journalistic standpoint, I find that lacking, um, particularly when they were pushing the Patriotti Suzuki narrative so hard. Just my two cents. Um, Another big question mark last uh, yesterday, you know, we find out early in the day, Armia is on a private chartered jet, uh, has tested negative, cleared protocol, cleared to play, flies down to Florida, yet they keep Jake Evans in the lineup and don't play Armia. What what do you think, you know, is it, it's not that Armia was out for any significant length of time, um, probably could have slotted in, took warm-ups. Um, what do you think, and, and and we'll get to to how Jake Evans actually performed, because I, do, I don't think that he played a bad game, actually. I thought he had some very positive elements to his game for his first game back in a month. Um, but what could be the reasons to to not play Armia last night in, in such a crucial series? Well, credit to, to Jake Evans, and, and maybe I'll get that out of the way uh, yeah. first. 12 minutes he played. On that fourth line was Stolen Perry. Um, he looked pretty good. Uh, yeah. He he adds speed to that line. Uh, what you give up is strength, is possession, is um, you know he he can forecheck. What what what's added is he can take a a couple of faceoffs, which he did, winning three out of four. Um, and and he played a, a minute um, shorthanded. That's another real strength for Armia. Um, the excuse that that Luke Richardson said uh, gave was that um, Armia hadn't um, hadn't been skating for a couple of days. Um, I, you know, given that 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 line has has such uh, strong chemistry, uh, Armia, uh, Perry, and and Stahl, I, I don't necessarily think that was a problem. Richardson also said it was the uh, emotional uh, burden of of uh, Armia uh, going through that again, thinking that uh, you know that it, finding out that it was a false positive, thinking that he could have COVID uh, again, and uh, and so didn't want to bring him in. I you know I I I I I expect that Joel Armia has uh, is stronger mentally and can set mm-hmm. that aside and would have would have been thrilled with the opportunity to get in his uh, uh, first Stanley Cup final. Um, so maybe I would have bought that more if it was the first round. Yeah, it 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 it, it didn't really work and and uh, we'll see what happens. Army is need needed back in the lineup. There's no one who uh, uh, possesses the puck like he does, um, and and he with given the the potent power play of of Tampa Bay, uh, they need all their best penalty kill uh, players in the lineup, and and one of those is is Yol Armia. Uh, one other point of of an area that was noticeably, um, I want to say weaker in last night's game was uh, Suzuki and Caulfield uh, not looking 
not looking like they have. Uh, Caulfield looking a little bit lost at times, um, easily uh, taken off the puck by Tampa uh, quite a number of times, uh, couldn't get anything open. Um, and Suzuki losing some key faceoffs. Um, what are your thoughts on on those two? You know, everyone's hyped the two of them and their chemistry, um, and then they've done some pretty remarkable things in this playoff run up to this point. Um, but at, particularly for Cole Caulfield, is is the Lightning presenting uh, one of those challenges of, oh, this is a much different NHL opponent than I've seen before. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Cole, I think to his credit, what's been said about uh, Cole Caulfield so far is that um, the moment isn't too big for him. Mm-hmm. That, uh, but, but last night, obviously, clearly it was. Um, he looked completely overwhelmed uh, by the moment, by the team, uh, by the the experience, and uh, and they were tough on Cole Caulfield. Yes, they they, were. they leaned on him, uh, and he didn't respond very well at all. Um, same for Nick Suzuki. Nick Suzuki, um, just twenty nine percent at the faceoff dot. Um, he didn't have Nick Suzuki didn't have a shot on goal. And Suzuki, Caulfield, and Tyler Toffoli were a collective minus nine uh, last night. So it was a real tough night for that uh, that line. Very tough night. So uh, what were the bright spots? What what are the things that the Habs need to either build on or try to adjust? Uh, because I think game two is, I think a pivotal game is coming very early in this series. Game two is going, if if, if they can't, right the ship very quickly uh it gets very dire when they come back to montreal for game three and four i i think they have to make some some adjustments um either to the lines uh or to uh the, the way they're dealing with the matchups and and i know there was a lot of talk uh last night about um how cooper effectively kept uh you know his top line away from uh, the Dano line, um, and uh, I, I don't, and and I think that was a, it was a mistake um, right from the get go, right from puck drop, and we know that Dominic Dominic Ducharme, um, he he's he's told us every chance he gets to come to the microphone that he's still in charge, mm-hmm. uh, and he he ha- is deciding, making the decisions, and that. Uh, He's not able to run the bench, but he's doing everything else. So it was his decision, presumably then last night, uh, to 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 start the Dano line. Um, that was a mistake because we know that John Cooper loves to start what he calls the identity line uh, with Barkley, Gaudreau, um, and uh, Yanni Gord, um, and uh, it, it's it's. Um, and Blake Coleman is the third one. Um, and, and so if you didn't want uh, Deneau up against that third line, it, it's the, the third line for um, uh, the Lightning, then why would why would Ducharme do that? Uh, and uh, Cooper was happy with that, man, with that matchup, and that's what it was for the entire game. Now... Uh, you know, either either make some different choices or, or you know, scout your opponent, know what they're going to do, understand what they're going to do. Um, and uh, it, it didn't seem like the, the uh, Canadians coaching staff had done their homework quite as well as John Cooper had, uh, 
had done. And and if it ends up that uh, that Deneau is is uh, that line is matched up against. Uh, Yanni Gord, then take advantage of it. Then let's see some offense. Mm-hmm. Um, where's where's Deneau's offense? I I know it's been completely absent, uh, missing in action for the entire playoffs. Uh, but it's time he stepped up and 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 if his line isn't to isn't able to shut down uh, because of the matchups, the top line of of the opposition. Then turn the tables and go with offense. Um, you have Lekkonen, you have Gallagher. Uh, Deneau's got to do more on the offensive side. He's getting enough ice time, and and uh, I, I I saw some real missed opportunities, and and certainly, you know, Cooper. Um, he, he talked. Uh, you know, he was he was so complimentary to the Canadians in, in the lead up to uh, to Game One, and talked about their history and their the class organization and the way they do things and, and uh, the environment and how he loved coaching there. And then his, uh, his tone changed uh, and said, but the Canadians are an obstacle and the inference, he didn't say it, I'll say it. So we're going to eliminate them. There are obstacles. His tone just changed on a dime to one, a coach who is, is uh, you know, just, just brutal. Just and as he was, there was there was nothing about uh, oh, it's wrong to send out five forwards with, uh, with you know with uh, a four one lead. Uh, this is what we have to do to uh, to to slice up our opponent, and that's what we're going to do. He was he was quite quite brutal uh, throughout. Yeah, because they're there to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, they did it last year. They know what it takes. It's very fresh in their minds. Uh, and most of the core that won the cup last year is still there. Um, so it's it's familiar territory. Um, and and after last night's game, I think they'll smell blood in the water a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, Game two is going to be definitely a, a can't-miss television. Uh, game two is going to say a lot about where the series is headed. Um, and, of course, be sure you're following at AllHabs on Twitter and Facebook, uh, AllHabs.net for game day previews, uh, comprehensive recaps after each game. Um, AllHabs is the place to go uh, all year long, but particularly uh, in these next couple of weeks for, during the Stanley Cup playoff, uh, Stanley Cup final uh, for your Canadians coverage. Uh, briefly, just want to mention two contracts that got signed uh, this past week. And I have to say, I am really scratching my head on both of them for completely different reasons. Uh, the first one is that the Canadians have signed a one-year two-way contract with forward Brandon Baddock. Now, okay, Brandon Baddock played 25 games with Laval last year, had all of five points, um, and and also, you know, had a cup of coffee on the taxi squad at one point. Um, do I mind if, if Brandon Baddock is going to be one of Laval's, you know, extra forwards? No. Why on earth he needs an NHL contract is beyond me. Um, Brandon Baddock was a, a, a serviceable forward. He's a bit of a tough guy. He brings some grit uh, to the fourth line. A little bit of that sandpaper that people like to talk about. But, Rick, I am completely 
baffled as to why he gets an NHL contract out of that. Uh, the Canadians only have so many of those to go around, and I'm, I do not agree with, give him an AHL contract, sure, even make it a one-way if you really want to, because you like him so much, but an NHL contract? I don't think so. Yeah, very odd, peculiar. Um, Brandon Baddock is is um, he's coming up to almost 200 games in the AHL. He did did a season in the e- ECHL. Um, that's his that's his uh, the, his cap. He, he's 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 not going further than that. Um, and uh, and he is um, you know he's the guy that is there to protect other players, protect Cole Caulfield when Caulfield did his two games. Um, so, uh, you know, there's there's a very, very limited role uh, for Brandon Baddock um, in, in the AHL and, and maybe in the ECHL. So uh, the, the contract was was very odd. I, I, I'm as uh, uh, perplexed as you are. Well, if that one has you scratching your head, the next one, I mean, I, I, I just... I almost threw up my hands and said, I give up. I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, the Rocket, the Laval Rocket came out with an announcement that they've signed a one-year contract with a goaltender. Okay. Quebec-born. Quebec-born Kevin Poulin. Um, He's 31. He played last season in Sweden. Um, yeah, that's right. A 31-year-old goaltender. One-year contract. Here's the kicker. One year, one way. Uh, so they're obviously not thinking this is a guy that's going to spend a whole lot of time in Trois-Rivières if he's on a one-way contract because they're not going to pay him AHL salary to go play down in the ECHL. So now that leads us to, okay, um, so let's look at the goaltending situation. Uh, we know that Demchenko, d- immediately after Laval's season ended, pretty much signed uh, to go back and play in Russia. He's not coming back next year. He's going to be in Russia. Um, Charlie Lindgren is UFA this year. There was already a pretty good likelihood that we would see him move on to a different organization where he had perhaps more of a of an opportunity for, for an NHL path. Um, but that also then leaves a question mark on RFA Michael McNiven. Um, does this mean that they're not going to qualify McNiven? Um, or does it mean that they think they're going to shuttle McNiven back and forth between Trois-Rivières and, and Laval? I, to, this to me was a completely bizarre signing. And, and I, it, I think at, we're still in the waiting game of understanding why this move needed to be made at this moment. It's it's bizarre. He hasn't played any meaningful games in um, any in the AHL in six years. Um, that was the the 2015-16 season um, for the Stockton Heat. He played 29 games. Now uh, you know a, a, a couple of of AHL games since, but um, mostly it's it's been all over Europe in in leagues you've never heard of. Um, and, um, it's, and, and then last year, the, uh, the second tier league, um, in Sweden. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's bizarre. It's, um, yes, they can say they, they have another player from Quebec. Um, but you know, the, the, the whole thing is that, um, I, I think the fans want, to hear that um, players are being developed 
in Quebec and that could, you know, move up to to the NHL. There's not a chance. <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> you never know. You know yeah, with this team, <laughs> but um, he's not. He's not NHL caliber. Uh, it looks like he's there for you know to play nine or ten games uh, and then give the bulk of the the work to uh, Caden Primo. Uh, for next season. Well, but, that's just um, a no challenge to Caden Primo. There's none, none, zero challenge. Um, and we'll see how that works out. Um, I think that's a that's and, a and just to finish, that's not that's not healthy for Caden Primo. No, no, it's not, and it's a risky move for for Laval if that ends up being the tandem. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't even know. Um, it's a it's a it's a curious it's definitely a curious one um particularly the one way the one way tag on it um is is very telling um we're going to wait and see <laughs> it could be very interesting uh come come the fall in Laval um which we're going to I'm going to pick up on that thread in just a moment I first just quickly want to mention one other contract extension for the Canadians that happened this week, and that is in the front office. Uh, John Sedgwick, the vice president of hockey operations and legal affairs, uh, has been extended for a new contract of three years. Uh, Rick, what what is what makes that significant? He's uh, the person that looks after contract signings, um, any kind of um, anything to do with the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, but in particular, his speciality is is the cap, and and he was kept busy this past year for the Montreal Canadiens, doing all the cap juggling um, and uh, advising Mark Bergevin uh, every time he wanted to make a move. Um, so a, a very important uh, person. Uh, they they get along well, and and uh, the two of them work together well, and and so uh, Cedric will be around for another three years. Absolutely. So I did I did allude to the fact that there could be you know, some, some different things happening in Laval in the fall. Uh, we, we don't tend to lend credence to a whole lot of, uh, rumor mill types of things, but, um, Anthony Marcotte, who is uh, a, a broadcaster for 919 sports in Montreal and also happens to be the Laval rocket play by play broadcaster, um, had a couple of tweets this week that caught our eye, uh, one of which is that allegedly Yannick Veyu will not be back with the team, that he has allegedly signed a two-year contract to play in Europe next year. Um, as you, as we'll remember, uh, this last stint with Laval is actually the second time that Veyu has played uh, for the Canadiens AHL affiliate. Uh, he also played um, under Sylvain Lefebvre uh, in... I want to say the second season in St. John's and the first season in Laval. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and then and then left for a little while and came back again under Joel Bouchard. Um, and and has certainly, um, you know, hasn't lost any of his physicality. He's very difficult to play against. Um, and and also has some scoring prowess as well. Uh, a little heavy on the penalties this year. Had a couple of suspensions this year, um, and so allegedly he is off to Europe. The other, I I, I can just confirm that that the the team has uh, has confirmed uh, that uh, he signed a contract with them. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, 
So there you have it. Uh, so Yannick Bayou will not be back. Um, that's a big piece. Uh, uh, and his, he's quoted as saying, uh, I'm happy about the opportunity to play. I'm hoping I can help the team win another championship. Um, the sports director uh, for Eisbären um, Berlin says, Yannick will fit in with our team. He is a present player on the ice who acts physically. In addition, he's proven that he can score goals. Okay, well there you have it. So Yannick Veyu will not be back uh, next year. That's a that's a significant veteran piece uh, who who won't be returning. The other big question that uh, Anthony alluded to, and we have since seen some additional um, speculation about, is the return of Joel Bouchard. Uh, this is a contract year for Bouchard, um, and. It's kind of, I mean, as far as we're concerned, we've we've kind of figured that would just be an automatic kind of thing, that it would just, of course, he would stay. He's had, he had a very successful season this year, uh, is well-loved by the Montreal media, by Montreal fans, uh, seems to be uh, well-liked within the organization, has good connections with Dominic Ducharme, Mark Bergevin. Um, but the initial comment from Anthony Marcotte was that um, it's not a guarantee that Bouchard's going to be back behind the bench, that there's other options that he could consider. And so, okay, well, what the, could those be? Could it be promotion within the organization? Well, um, just today, uh, we've seen Pierre Lebrun has been speaking uh, today about the fact that while nothing is set in stone, there are um, talks are increasing that Arizona is looking to fill their head coaching vacancy with Andre Torigny. Torney, yeah. Uh, Torney, sorry. Um, and the rumor that I saw today, and again, take it with a grain of salt, at right now it's just a rumor, but the fact that uh, some other credible folks are, are mentioning this, um, is that it's possible that Joel Bouchard is going to be tapped to be Turigny's, uh, Turigny's assistant, which would, <laughs> which would turn the Laval fan base on its head, uh, for Joel Bouchard to sweep in, have, have these years, have the year that he just did and then leave the organization. Um, so Rick, there's nothing confirmed anywhere officially right now. This is all just speculation, but the fact that, uh, this is twice now this week, uh, that different sources are starting to say that they're hearing some rumblings that Bouchard's looking at options uh, that don't include being the bench boss in Laval um, is certainly something to watch. Uh, this is all fascinating. And certainly uh, Andre Tourney, it's been a, a terrific season for him involved in, with the World Juniors, involved with the World Championship with Gerard Glant. Gerard Glant already um, cashed in on on uh, their success uh, going to the Rangers. And so it, it makes sense uh, that uh, Tourney, who's been talked about as an NHL coach for a long time, uh, would make the jump. Now, um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think it's any secret that uh, Joe Bouchard, um, you know, sees himself in uh, back in the NHL. And uh, and and that was the path that he set uh, when he came to the Laval Rocket, uh, that uh, he had a successful um, uh, season last year. And so then wants to use that to to move forward and uh, you know, isn't fond of the idea of going back to the rocket. 
Um, that all makes sense. Um, but but is it within or or you know within the organization or going elsewhere? Um, that's that's a question I would have. Um, you know, there was always the uh, the 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 transition, um, the the plan that that Bergevin had for. Um, uh, Dominic Ducharme to uh, come in as an assistant, uh, get some experience, and and eventually be uh, the Montreal head coach. I think that happened a whole lot sooner than was in the cards, and and uh, that uh, Joel Bouchard was being groomed for a, a position within the organization. Um, now, whether they are ready to offer something to him or let him go elsewhere, get it some experience, and then think about bringing him back in the organization at another time, who knows? But it uh, doesn't look like he's going to be back in Laval next year. Uh, it certainly is a, a sin- sincere possibility, which will then raise the big question, who replaces him? Um it, that's gonna if that happens that's going to be a pretty vital uh, position to fill uh, with the Canadians needing to have a good pipeline between the AHL and their prospect development and the NHL so certainly something a story that we are gonna keep a very close eye on um, and we'll be sure to uh, keep you posted as things develop. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to go around the AHL. We've got other AHL head coach news to discuss, as well as uh, some recognition for one of our colleagues in Hershey. And uh, the Seattle Kraken has entered the league, and they need an AHL affiliate next year. Um, And would you believe we can start talking about World Juniors already? All of that and more coming up when we come back right after this. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit AHLReport.com and click the Join Our Team tab at the top of the page today.
And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Uh, You can also find Rick at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. And uh, we are just glad to have you here today. We've got lots of AHL news to cover for you. Uh, First and foremost, let's talk about some head coaching news. Uh, And we'll start with the Belleville Senators, Troy Mann. Uh, It's been announced that he has had a contract extension uh, for another two seasons. And Rick, I think this is a very solid uh, signing for for Belleville, Troy Mann has done a tremendous job with Belleville over the past few seasons. Uh, the the Ottawa pipeline for prospects uh, is is looking pretty good, um, and there's been a number of prospects that Troy Mann has helped to develop who have already started to transition to the NHL, and there's more on the way. Uh, I think this was a very solid uh, decision for Belleville to keep him on. Tons of experience. One of the most experienced uh, coaches in the AHL, uh, Troy Mann with David Bell and Ben Sexton. It's a good coaching crew. And then they've done a great job and they, they will have uh, a lot more talent coming in again this year. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, as you said, the pipeline uh, to develop the youth uh, for the Ottawa Senators. Where one strong coach is staying, uh, another one is departing. Uh, kind of surprising news for Manitoba Moose fans this past week to learn that Pascal Vincent, uh, Vincent is heading out, uh, heading over to the Columbus Blue Jackets to take up an associate coach position behind the NHL bench with Brad Larson. Uh, and uh, Rick, this is, a, this is a big deal for, for Pascal to be leaving Manitoba. He has spent a, a significant amount of time there. He has done very well uh, with the Winnipeg Prospects and Development and their AHL team. Um, while I'm thrilled that he's getting the opportunity to to coach at the NHL level, this this leaves a, a big hole for Manitoba. For sure. He's he's uh, done an excellent job uh, developing the prospects. Uh, and of course, he's, you know, he he has uh, coaching experience at all levels. Um, he was uh, a coach in the queue with, uh, with the Montreal Juniors. Um, he's uh, been an assistant coach uh, with the Jets at the NHL level. Um, and now he goes to Columbus as an associate coach um, uh, with their NHL group. I thought it was interesting that Pascal said, uh, was quoted, you know, everything that I've heard about Brad is outstanding, but those are only words until you speak to the guy. Our first 15 minutes, I felt like, okay, I feel like I've known this guy forever, like we're old buddy- buddies or something. We just connected, and I feel very lucky that he felt the same way toward me. And that that's, that's a pretty profound statement to say, you know, I think everyone can relate to to meeting someone that they've worked with or that that they in immediately just feel like, oh, I could talk to you forever, or I feel like we're old friends. Um, and for them to have connected on that level right right from the get go, I think that's going to be make it for a strong uh, coaching coaching team there. Um, moving from coaches to general managers, there's uh, some some new faces. Uh, for the Toronto Marlies and uh, the ECHL affiliate of the, of the Maple Leafs, the Newfoundland Growlers, they uh, the Leafs announced that Ryan Hardy is joining the Marlies organization as actually the the Maple Leafs organization as the senior director of minor league operations, um, and in this role, he's going to be the GM of the Toronto Marlies 
as well as the GM of the Newfoundland Growlers. Um, and Rick, I think this is an interesting, um, you know, Lawrence Gilman was was the GM for the Marlies for the past three years. He's now being promoted to to senior VP of the Marlies. Um, and and we'll still have a have a footprint there. But this is an interesting hire, I think, that I this whole senior director of minor league operations almost falls hand in hand with how you've compared Toronto's uh almost MLB style setup of of triple A and double A when it comes to the AHL and ECHL. And now they have a guy that they've brought in just to oversee their minor league operations, really keeping a tight ship, same system, the three clubs all kind of working uh, in sync with one another. I think it's a very interesting hire. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. We touched on it last week uh, with our interview with uh, Mark Waitman, Mark Waitman, and how mm-hmm. their uh, approach is going to differ from a, an organization like uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and and as you said, more of an MLB approach, the the AAA, double A. Uh, approach and 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 but bringing them all bringing both the ECHL team and the AHL team under one umbrella so that they can uh, use the same methods you, uh, you know be involved in in hiring the coach all of that sort of thing um, it's uh, it's very interesting uh, Ryan Hardy we know Ryan Hardy um, that uh, from from a Canadian's perspective we know Ryan Hardy was. Uh, uh, the GM of the uh, Chicago Steel. Chicago Steel were the um, in the UC- USHL. They were the Clark Cup champions, and um, the GM for Habs prospect Sean Farrell, who has such a spectacular season uh, this last year. Absolutely. So, uh, congratulations to him. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that format works out for them with with their management um, levels there. Um, Want to say a congratulations to our friend and colleague Zach Fish of the Hershey Bears. Uh, he is, I want to say, you know, he's he's the team's broadcaster and and play by play guy. But really, Zach wears a million hats in terms of media relations, public relations, broadcasting, so on and so forth. And the American Hockey League has has realized that as well, uh, and selected Zach, who is the manager of media relations and broadcasting for the Hershey Bears, as this year's winner of the AHL Ken McKenzie Award, uh, which recognizes the important role played by team management in building a successful franchise uh, presented every year to an AHL team executive who most successfully promotes his or her own club and Rick I think I think that's a that's a pretty big compliment to to Zach Fish who many might think just does the play-by-play but really he does so much more than that he does um and and not just not that he just does the play-by-play which is hard in, enough. My, in, <laughs> in my view um it's it's the broadcast he is the voice of the bears it is the broadcast i like to listen to uh i think he is uh the best broad play-by-play broadcaster in the ahl but in addition to that he does so many other things mm-hmm. uh for the hershey bears and uh, we always loved seeing him in the in the press box of the Giant Center, uh, and look forward to seeing him again soon. But congratulations, Zach! Uh, very well deserved honor uh, for you and and the entire uh, team there. Of course, this year brings not only a new NHL team, but uh, there is a new AHL team on the horizon when the Seattle Kraken finally do uh, debut their AHL affiliate 
in another season in the fall of 2022. Uh, But since Seattle is entering the NHL this coming season in 2021, uh, they do need a place to call home in the AHL for a season. And so it was announced this week that the Seattle Kraken will partner with uh, the Florida Panthers and share the Charlotte Checkers as a dual affiliation this year, Um, which, you know, some may have thought, wow, that's all the way on the other coast. Um, But Charlotte, keep in mind, was one of the three AHL teams who opted out of playing this year. Uh, So, of course, um, you know, this will grab some more fans. Seattle fan fans are certainly um, very much looking forward to getting things underway. Uh, so not only will they have Florida Panther fans, but they'll also bring in a fan base from Seattle to, to have all eyes on the Charlotte Checkers this year uh, for their dual affiliation. Florida Panthers love to share because they shared uh, <laughs> the AHL affiliate with, um, with Tampa and Sy- in Syracuse last year. So, um, yeah, th- this uh, this looks like it'll work out for the Kraken. They'll they'll uh, they'll um, plant uh, eight to twelve players uh, there in Charlotte, including a goaltender, and uh, should be an, a good working arrangement until they have their own uh, affiliate one hundred percent next year. And of course, Ron Francis uh, is is well familiar with the CEO and owner of the Charlotte Checkers. Um, and so that also certainly helped to to speed things along there as well. So it uh, it will certainly be interesting to see how that all works out. Um, stepping outside of the AHL, just want to make mention of the fact that we can begin talking about World Juniors. Uh, the U.S. Uh, USA Hockey just announced today their forty four invitees to. Uh, this year's World Junior Summer Showcase to be held at the USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth, Michigan. Um, Interestingly enough, with the draft taking place a month late this year, the draft is actually coinciding with this little mini tournament this year, which which is interesting. This tournament begins on July 24th and runs through the 31st, where they'll play 11 games between USA Hockey, Team Finland, and Team Sweden. Um, the dra- the first round of the draft is on the 23rd. So a lot of these, uh, there's plenty of draft-eligible guys on this roster for, for USA Hockey and will be for Finland and Sweden. Uh, and before they even drop the puck for the first day of the tournament on Saturday the 24th, there's a good chance that a number of them will have been drafted the night prior uh, or will be selected throughout the first couple of days of the of the for the first day of the tournament on Saturday, the 24th. But um, Rick, with with the 44 players that have been announced who've been invited for USA Hockey, there's a number, I think there's about six or so who are are returning. Um, Some of them were part of last year's World Junior Team. Uh, There are no Philadelphia Flyers prospects as as of yet, maybe the Flyers will take someone in the draft who who is already invited. but the Canadians do have one prospect who will be attending. One prospect, that being Luke Tuck. We saw his uh, his brother uh, in uh, with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs. Uh, Luke Tuck uh, from um, Boston University in the Hockey East uh, will be there. He was taken in the 2020 draft in the uh, second round. But as you said, uh, on this list, uh, a lot is going to change um, mm-hmm. because there will be 
the NHL entry draft. I, I guess, um, you know, we, we get that question from time to time. Hey, once the Stanley Cup's awarded, what are you guys going to talk about? Well, <laughs> well, we have the um, expansion draft on the 21st. We have the NHL entry draft on the 23rd and, and 24th of July. And then, as you said, we move into the World Junior Sum- Summer Showcase. So there's and free uh, agency. Uh, oh, absolutely. There's plenty to talk about. <laughs> lots and lots to talk about. So trust me when we say we are not going anywhere all summer. Uh we really mean it. Uh, we'll be here. We'll be here throughout the off season because, frankly, sometimes it feels like the off season is busier than hockey season, if that's even possible. Um, but lots of uh, lots of great prospects on on this list, um, and uh, the summer showcase is always a, a really interesting tournament to to keep eyes on. Uh, it's a it's a good look at some of good early look at some of the draft picks, um, and. Also, just to see how some of the young prospects are shaping up over the summer. So uh, we will we will be sure to bring you coverage of that. Um, and it's an exciting time for sure. It's hard to believe uh, that's only about a month away. Um, which, as I'm saying that, that's only about a month away. Rick, our, the feel-good finale for, for this week really is um, just stepping back for a moment to appreciate the fact that... Uh, Kind of historically, uh, we are witnessing hockey, we're about to witness NHL hockey still being played in the month of July uh, because of the way the schedule had been affected and adjusted this year. Uh, likely won't see that happen again. Usually the Stanley Cup has has well been awarded by now. Um, but it's kind of exciting for fans uh, that, you know, we're we're deep into kind of midsummer uh, by the time the Cup will be awarded this year. I was thinking about that. That yes, the this we're right in the middle of of uh, uh, the the Stanley Cup final as we move into July. Hockey in July used to mean, at least for me, um, is uh, was development camps and the draft yeah. that happened at the end of June, and uh, I would head over to um, Brassard. Uh, in early July, and um, order the th- skate zone and Voorhees uh, for uh, for our flyers for sure, yeah. and uh, and I'd get there, and there would be. Uh, no one else there. I'd turn the lights on um, yeah, right. <laughs> in in the media area, uh, and there would there was uh, virtually no coverage uh, at that time. And now uh, you have uh, all the media and all the attention mm-hmm. on hockey, all of it on the the Stanley Cup final, and it's uh, it's a wonderful thing. It really is. Uh, appreciate it while you have it. Uh, this this time next year, uh, people will be doing the the hashtag is it october yet <laughs> so so don't take it for granted appreciate every bit of it um rick of course we want to make sure that everyone is subscribed to both this podcast and our sister podcast the canadians connection hosted by you and joe whalen um best way to do that is simply to subscribe yeah, yeah. Just look down. What 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 are you using to listen to this podcast right now? Uh, just double check that you're subscribed. Uh, if you've missed any episodes, go to the pre- uh, thepresszone.fm. That's where you'll find the archive. Uh, in fact, Rick mentioned that last week uh, we had an interview with Mark Waitman. Mark Waitman is the president and CEO of the uh, new ECHL franchise, the Trois-Rivières Lions, uh, the ECHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. We had an extensive one-on-one exclusive interview with Mark last week. 
filled with information about the ECHL, the ECHL in Quebec, uh, the franchise, the affiliation with the Canadians and how that will work. Uh, if you're interested in the ECHL, uh, you know, for, for, for Flyers fans and Philadelphia fans, this is a new opponent who will be coming into Reading uh, this season and Reading will be venturing up to Quebec. Uh, so great to get to know uh, a new opponent for the Reading Royals. Uh, so be sure you, if you missed that last week, be sure you head over to the pressone.fm and check out that episode. And uh, we've got some more, we've got some more interviews coming up here in the next couple of weeks that I think you're going to be pretty excited about. Saw the Toa Riviere Lions uh, tweeting today that they're putting the ice in. Uh, yeah. So it's all getting quite real in their brand spanking new uh, arena. That's right. Uh, and we, of course, thank you for joining us each and every week. We've, uh, we'll have lots to talk about next week as uh, the march towards the Stanley Cup keeps advancing. Uh, the, the picture will look very different uh, when it comes back uh, around to next Tuesday, the next time we meet. Uh, and we'll have lots of news uh, from the AHL, the NHL, the ECHL, and beyond. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're, we appreciate that you're here each and every week. And enjoy hockey. Enjoy the, the hot weather. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.